0: Would you pray with me? Most gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day. We give you thanks for the gift of a new year. Lord, may we remember that each and every day is a gift. We are not promised tomorrow, only today. May we live today as the gift it is. Thank you, God. Thank you that we are here today, gathered in worship. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us today more of what it means to follow Jesus, to keep our eyes on him. And to that end, I pray that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken and human words might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray this with great confidence, for we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I've shared this before, but there was a season in my life when I was running 5Ks. The reason I started running in official races involved the fact that a church member at the time from Pasadena organized those races and invited me to run. I really didn't run in competitions very often. While I was cooling down from one race, my friend from the church came up to me with a big smile on her face and she handed me a plaque. I said, what's this for? And she said, you won first place in your age group. Now, i got to tell you, I was stunned. There have to be so many more people in my age group faster than I am. So I asked, how many ran in my age group? And she looked kind of sheepish and said, well, only you. <laughs> Even though I don't run anymore, maybe that was the the scars that have been left, I don't know, but I don't run anymore, I'm a biker these days, I still find myself running all kinds of races, just of a different sort. So as we begin the new year, it's a good time to ask, why do we run the races we run? What does it mean to have run well? Is it for the plaque, the reward, the prize, the promotion, the prestige we receive? Or is it for another reason? And if we're honest with ourselves, our answers to this question are complex. This is Grace Leuenberger, and she blogs vulnerably of her struggles running the races of life, athletic or otherwise. When Grace ran the Pittsburgh Marathon after months of training that included running over 600 miles, she missed her personal goal by three minutes. She was devastated. In response, she writes of her struggles with not attaining her goal, not being good enough. But, but a marathon is not the only race she's running. She writes this, I wish I could say this pattern of pursuing, pushing, and persevering only emerges in my athletic pursuits, but that is far from the truth. Reflecting on this broader struggle, she continues, in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis writes, no man knows how bad he is until he has tried very hard to be good. For years and years, I have tried to be good. I have tried to train well, sleep eight hours a night, eat my vegetables, exercise, apply for the job, make the move, meet the new people, remember birthdays, go to the Bible study, make good decisions. Just this week, I snapped at my mom after she suggested I slow my life down a bit and allow myself time To relax, recover, and have space to process what has been happening lately in my life. As C.S. Lewis writes, the harder we try to be good, the more our limitations become crystal clear. This seems to be at the very heart of Grace's struggles. And most of us can relate in one way or another. How much time do we spend fully committed to the race to be good enough? Think about it honestly. How much time do we spend to be fully committed to the race to be good enough? What does it mean to be good enough? Are we ever good enough? I believe this longing to be good enough is universal. This innate need to be good enough is insatiable and antithetical to the gospel of grace. For being good enough is all about earning the A+, whether it's from yourself or your boss or your spouse or God. In scriptural terms, this belief is called the law. It's what the Pharisees believed regarding our relationship with God. One must perfectly follow the rules in the right way at the right time to be good enough. Think about how upset the Pharisees were at Jesus again and again for breaking the laws surrounding the Sabbath. But in breaking the rules in this way, Jesus is showing us a new way to be good enough that's not based on the law. You might say this is the whole reason that Jesus came. For on earth, Jesus ran a race that made us good enough through his life and his death and his resurrection, his sacrificial offering of grace from the cross. And that is the antidote to our inability to be good enough. What you see in Grace's writing, and at least in my life, most people I talk to, when we get into the good enough trap, what we find is we can never be good enough. It just is never enough. And even if we think we've attained it, it's only momentary. And then something happens, right? And so we are in this struggle, this bondage. It's called sin, by the way. And this whole striving to be good enough. And in that process, we get caught in bondage. And the only answer to that bondage is to be made good enough from the outside. That's what the cross did. That's why it's called good news. And that's why we sing, as we did this morning, This I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. And today's passage tells us that we are to run a new race in light of that, right? In light of knowing this good news, we are to run a different race. That's what today's passage is about. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. God has marked out an abundant race for us to run in this life. This is a race we were created to run. A kingdom race marked out for us by God. Yet even so, the sin within each and every one of us keeps us in tension between running the law-filled race and this one. Grace describes this struggle in her blog this way. I do not pursue, push, and persevere because I do not know the gospel. Or I haven't received words of encouragement amidst difficulty. I do these things because I do not trust God and his promises. So I elbow my way through the crowds. I yell at people who try to help me when I'm hurting. I insist that I'm not afraid. I tell everyone I'm fine. That I'm just trying to be a responsible adult. I make nearly all decisions and conclusions as if it is a race. And I'm competing for a prize. Starts to hit really close to home, doesn't it? About now. At least it did for me. Grace nails it when she proclaims the root of her good enough problem is because she does not trust God and his promises. That's at the heart of the human Struggle. Anyone who has trouble naming particular sins in your life, some people that I've talked to are like, well, I don't really know what my particular sins are. Well, let me tell you, this is one of them, right? One of them is this striving to be good enough. And in some ways, when we can't acknowledge our own sin... Just saying, if you can't acknowledge your own sin, that's part of the problem, right? Is that you're not able to acknowledge it. That's actually sinning in and of itself. So this whole heart of the human struggle to be good enough, and sometimes we want to feel good enough so we don't want to acknowledge our sin, because that makes us not feel good enough. And so this whole process is sort of coming, it's a sobering experience. You can feel that in Grace's writing, right? It's a sobering experience of kind of coming to face who I really am, in my not good enough state, and then receiving the grace of the good news. How often do we not trust that God's grace is sufficient to make us good enough, so we turn from the path God marked out for us, and we, and we return to the bondage of running the law-based race again and again? This, to me, is just something I fall in and out of in my life fairly regularly. Well, today's passage is giving clear instruction on how to overcome that temptation by keeping our eyes laser-focused on Jesus. A very practical question is, what does that look like? How do we run the race keeping our eyes on Jesus? I love the way Clarence Jordan describes following Jesus in his book, The Inconvenient Gospel. He says, Christianity is more than a scheme to be tried. It is a guiding star. Christians are those who locate and direct themselves by Christ. Locate and direct yourself by Christ. Just as a navigator takes bearing from a fixed star. By getting our sight on Jesus, we get our bearings. We are no longer lost. For we know where we are and we know where we are going. And it isn't the star that is practical or impractical, but the navigator who accepts or rejects the guiding light, right? When I'm running the law-based race, I am rejecting the guiding star, right? I am not looking that way. I'm looking to myself. And so who are Christians? Christians are those who locate and direct themselves by Christ. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Why do we run this particular race? Because when we get our sights on Jesus, we are no longer lost and on the wrong path. We know where we are going. Jesus gives us all we need to navigate the race marked out for us. What does daily life look like when we're running the kingdom race? What does Jesus' life show us as he ran the race about the path marked out for us? First, a foundational lesson is community. Jesus lived and ministered in community. And Scripture tells us that as Christ's disciples, we are the body of Christ. We are called to run this race together, relying on one another, encouraging one another, helping one another keep our eyes on Jesus. And, of course, this is what home groups are all about, the seven groups that meet during the week. And we have a great number of people involved in them. And one of the reasons that they're there and people find such meaning in these groups is because we have a smaller group of people who are doing just that. They're there to encourage us, to catch us when we fall, to help us when we cry and we're worn out and we don't know what else to do. People that will lay hands on like we did down here today and pray over us, encourage us, remind us to keep our eyes on Jesus. So one thing is we run in community. That's what Jesus taught us. That's what his race taught us. Second, we find the rhythm. As we study the race Jesus runs, we find there is a rhythm to it, a pacing of sorts, that ensures the runner has the tenacity to finish the race. David Zoll, in commenting on a passage in the first chapter of Mark, this was a devotional, where Jesus retreats to a deserted place to pray, he says this. The pattern of the spiritual life, if we take Christ as our model, seems to be one of engagement and retreat. Hardly anything has occurred in Mark's account of the gospel before Jesus withdraws to a deserted place to pray. This is halfway through the first chapter of Mark. He takes a deliberate pause from healing the sick and casting our demons. As we run this race, keeping our eyes on Jesus, we do so together in community and we pace ourselves. It's a long race. It's a marathon. We need engagement and retreat, activity and rest. And that's very different, by the way, than the law-based race, right? The law-based race, that's why we don't have any time to rest. That's why we burn ourselves out. That's why we are always overcommitted because we are trying to get somewhere that we can never get, right? We just are, we keep going. But Jesus says, hey, this race is one of engagement and rest. Another key theme of Jesus' race is an outward focus. Like Jesus' life demonstrates as his disciples, our race will be defined by generosity toward and care for the least and the lost. Sometimes it can feel confusing who the least and the lost really are. I have this conversation. I've had it many times with different people. Who are the people we are supposed to help? I mean, really, Jeff? Well, in Matthew 25, in the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus gives us a really clear description of who qualifies as the least in the loss. When he says, Whenever you feed the hungry, you give drink to the thirsty. Whenever you invite the stranger in, whenever you clothe the naked, when you look after the sick, And visit the prisoner, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so we know that when we run the race, the character of this race we're running, whereas when a law based race, the good enough race, is all about ourselves, right? It's all about doing what we do to feel that we are good enough. This race, because the good enough question is answered, Now we are able to change our focus from inward to outward, and we're able to see the needs of the least and the lost around us. Now, if you're anything like me, just even if just the last part that I mentioned makes it feel like, wow, definitely need activity and rest on that race, right? Definitely need, I just can't do that all the time. I feel inadequate, and the truth is we all are inadequate to fully run this race. I love at the end of today's passage, right, it said, consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. He knows we're going to grow weary and lose heart, hence why he says keep your eyes on Jesus, right? It's sort of a reminder. And so as we close, I want to remind all of us of something, right? I want to clarify something. This standard, this race that I'm talking about, the The race Jesus calls us to, the things that we've been discussing that Jesus calls us to, are not a new law to be attained to be good enough. Are you hearing me? This isn't one more law that you're supposed to follow to be good enough. You don't have to perfect these things to win the race. It is by grace that you have been saved, not by works. We strive to run this race in response to all Jesus has done to make us good enough. That's what motivates us. We're now set free to run this race. We're not going to run it perfectly. We're going to fall and we're going to fail and we're going to end up back in the old races we used to run. Jesus already knows this is true of us. He already knows it. And his grace is sufficient. All God asks of us is to never give up. To keep, when we fall down, when we find ourselves in the good enough race again, to stop and to refocus our eyes on our guiding star, on Jesus, and get back into his race. And so, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Let's run this race in 2023. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.